chapter 3 and verse number 9, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward. Everybody say, that's me. Not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. <clears throat> I want to preach with the help of the Lord for the next few moments upon this subject, four things the devil doesn't want you to know. Four things the devil doesn't want you to know. I want you to turn to your neighbor before we pray, and I want you to say there's some things the devil doesn't want you to know. <clears throat> Let's lift up our hands and ask the Lord to bless the remainder of this service. God, we need your help. We need the touch of the Holy Ghost. We need the power of your Spirit to dominate in this place. We know, God, that you're able to do exactly what needs to be done in this house. There's needs that you can supply. There's lives, God, that you can impact and change for the glory of the Lord. And I'm praying that you would do so. In the name of Jesus, we thank you and praise you and honor you for it. Would you clap your hands to him again in worship? <clears throat> thank you so much for standing in. You may be seated. The Apostle Paul, inspired by the Holy Ghost, because we know that in the entirety of Scripture is inspired by God, as holy men of old were moved on by the Holy Ghost, the Bible says. The Apostle Paul began to pick up his pen and describe the deceptive tactics of the devil. In 2 Corinthians chapter number 4 and verse 2, he writes, but have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, or nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. And I want you to notice this next statement. In whom the God, little g, of this world hath blinded their minds, or blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of this glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Can I tell you that the devil wants to keep some things secret to you? He wants to keep you in the dark. There's some things that he wants to keep from you. The devil does not want you to know some things. According to our text in 2 Peter chapter number 3 and verse 9, the apostle wrote, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise. The first thing that the devil does not want you to know is that God always... Somebody say always. He always keeps his promise. We all understand the pain, the disappointment that is caused by broken promises. 
And we all have had people that we love that have broke promises. We've all seen well-intended people that simply could not follow through on their promises. We know the government many times makes promises that it doesn't keep. But I'm here to tell you that God has never broken one of his promises. You can depend on the Lord today. The Bible would have us to know that though all power in heaven and earth belongs to God, though he is the creator of all things and the sustainer of all things, though he created man from the dust of the earth and breathed his own breath into man and he became a living soul, the Bible tells us that there is a few things that God cannot do. Some of you are, are maybe doubting that here this morning, but I want to tell you unequivocally that there is some things that the Word of God says that God cannot do, that it's not in His nature to do these things. Number one, God spoke through the prophet Malachi in chapter 3 and verse 6 and says, For I am the Lord, and I change not. So this tells me that God doesn't change. People change, trends change, fashions and styles, they all change. Uh, the economic market, it changes on a daily basis, but God does not change. And this is one of the greatest attributes to me about God is the fact that He is consistent. The writer said in Him, there is no variableness. There is no shadow of turning. But he's always and he remains the same in our life. Number two, the Bible says in Deuteronomy chapter 31 and verse 8, And the Lord, he, is, he it is that doth go before thee, he will be with thee, and he will not fail thee. So the second thing that God cannot do is that he cannot fail. And I'm so happy to report to this congregation, though you and I know failure, though you and I make mistakes, though you and I have shortcomings and we have inconsistencies and there's areas of our lives that we, we have to admit that we fail in with our best attempts. But God has never and will he ever fail his people. Amen. I want to remind you today that God, amen, is not like you and I. Amen. In everything, He is perfect. In everything, He is capable. In everything, He is able. Amen. Aren't you thankful that you're serving a God this morning that is able to meet all of our needs? Amen. When He tries to minister to us, when He endeavors to reach down and answer our prayers, He doesn't make a mistake where that is concerned. He doesn't fail where that is concerned. But He is forever consistent. He doesn't know what failure is. Amen. He is able to rise above every circumstance, every scenario, and every situation. And He simply cannot fail. I think that deserves some praise this morning. I think somebody ought to lift up your voice and give praise to the Lord today because of that. Number three, Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 18 says that it is impossible. Somebody say impossible. 
it is impossible for God to lie. Did you hear me? It is impossible for God to lie. So we serve a God that does not change, will not, nor has he ever failed, and he cannot lie. So every promise, and there's a lot of them in the pages of this Bible that I preach from this morning, every promise in the Word of God is yea and amen. That means it's going to be accomplished. If God says it, then he is well able to perform it. He said he would forgive all of our sins. And that means that he's able. It doesn't matter how big the sin is in your mind, how big of a mistake it is in your heart, how big a deal it is for you to overcome, how much therapy you've been through, how much rehab you've been through. I'm telling you, God is able to forgive you of all. All your sin. Hallelujah. Praise God. The only requirement from you and I is to confess that sin. In other words, admit that sin. But it doesn't stop there. It's not enough just to confess it. But we come to an altar and we repent of it. And ask God to forgive us. And he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. Hallelujah. That's a promise in the Word of God that He can forgive us of all of our sins. I'll tell you another promise in the Word of God is the Bible said He is able to heal us of all of our diseases. Amen. I have noticed over the years in being in the ministry and going to see people often in the hospital uh, that, that more and more uh, things has become even more in the last 20 years, more specialized than ever before. There's, if you have problems in a certain area of the body, there's a doctor that specializes in that field. Uh, general practitioners are not as common as they used to be. If you've got a foot problem, you go to the podiatrist. If you've got uh, a problem uh, with your heart or lungs, you go to the cardiovascular uh, doctor or surgeon and uh, on and on. Uh, there's there's the specialties, specialties for everything. And this is also true in just about every field, uh, professional field uh, in our lives. I mean, you, you think about it. Even the cars that we drive have become so technical and specialized that there are mechanics that work in those certain areas. They work on those certain automobiles, and then they work on a particular part of the automobile. There's uh, people that work on just the transmissions and there's people that work just on the motor or the electrical part of the motor. And then there's those that of course work on the body, a paint body man. And so they, they work on those things and specialize in those fields. And we understand that. We don't go to the heart surgeon expecting him to tell us what's wrong with our mind and our emotions. We don't, we don't, go, to, we don't go to the uh, podiatrist and ask him to, uh, to examine if we might have uh, an artery in our heart that is blocked. We understand that there's specialties in all of these areas and all of these things. Well, can I tell you that we have a God that specializes in everything. 
Hallelujah. I said he specializes in every need. The Bible said he is the great physician. And he is able to heal all of our diseases. It doesn't matter what it is, how big, how major, or how minor that it may be. God is concerned and he cares about every situation that is in this house. And more than that, he is able to do something about it. And I, if I had to narrow God down to a specialty, I wouldn't say that he uh, specializes in that he is uh, unable to move in any other thing or any other area because, uh, quite frankly, the Bible tells us that he's able to do anything that we ask in faith and believe him for. But can I tell you that there is one thing that he delights to do more than anything else, I suppose, and that is to save the souls of men and women. That's what he went to Calvary for. That's what he shed his life's blood for. Amen. That's what the cross is all about. Amen. That's why he came to this world, manifest himself in flesh, and was the spotless lamb that was slain. Amen. It's because you and I were going to need a Savior. You and I was going to need deliverance from sin and its bondage and its hold that it has upon our lives. I'm thankful that the blood of Jesus is powerful enough to sever, amen, the ties that sin has upon the lives of people. I'm glad that I can report to you today that the blood of Jesus, amen, is able not only to cover but to cleanse and wash away all your sins. Oh, somebody give me my hand clap of praise here this morning. Bible said it this way, if you would ask of him, it would be his good pleasure. That's what he delights in. It doesn't, it isn't that he wants to withhold. It's not that he gets any kind of thrill out of, out of leading us on or telling us something in his word that he's unable to perform. But he delights in it. It's his good pleasure to do it. Somebody comes to this altar today and says, Lord, I have a need in my life that I sincerely believe that you're able to do something about. I have faith that you're able to heal my body. I have faith that you're able to turn this situation around in my home. I have faith that you're able to provide in my finances. I have faith that you're able to give me a miracle. Amen. Where it can Concerns, amen, my health. I'm telling you, God's good pleasure is to move in the hearts of his people. It's God's good pleasure, amen, to touch somebody and make them whole today. It's God's good pleasure, amen, to reach down and transform somebody's life. And I'm telling you, you can come in contact with him this morning. You can experience him in a powerful way this morning. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. Turn me up just a little bit. Praise God. I've had three surgeries on my throat. Amen. So I don't, I don't feel bad asking for a little bit of, uh, of, of sound system here. Praise God. And so if, you, if it gets uncomfortable for you, just remember that I've had three surgeries on my throat and possibly facing a fourth. And so I'm not going to apologize for asking for a little monitor. Is that all right? Amen. Everybody happy about that? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Every promise, every promise, this book is full of promises. 
promises of deliverance. Matter of fact, you read this Bible from beginning to end. It's a book of deliverance. It's a book of deliverance from beginning to end. I mean, you start all the way back there, and, and, it's, and it's one after another where God has worked. If, if you had to really bring it down to one uh, word to steal this book down to one word, then, then I, I suppose you could use the word deliverance. And I know when we think about deliverance in the Old Testament, we certainly think about the deliverance of Noah. Uh, at the time of the flood and we think about the deliverance of the people of Israel when they were faced uh, with Egyptian bondage and how God brought them through uh, the Red Sea and we we think about other deliverances where God came through and answered the prayer of somebody that was in desperate need and uh, God responded to the prayer of intercession and God moved in a situation and gave them a miracle uh, this this is a book that we could talk about joy. The Bible talks about joy all the way through the Word of God. The joy that is able to overcome sorrow. Joy that is able to be experienced through the power of the Holy Ghost. Matter of fact, the Bible talked about that and said that it's joy unspeakable. In other words, indescribable. Uh, you cannot express it. You cannot really fully define it. Joy unspeakable. And then the Word of God tells us uh, that His desire for us is that our joy may be full. Amen. God doesn't want you just to have a little bit, but He wants you to have all that He has for you. He wants you to experience everything that this book has promised. We could talk about this book and how that the promises of God are there for power over sin, for healing for our body, for guidance and direction, for strength and encouragement, for blessings over and over again. And I want to tell you probably one of the greatest promises that I could talk about about here today is that when this life is over and we've dedicated our lives to him and we've lived for him it says in John chapter 14 let not your heart be troubled you believe in God believe also in me in my father's house are many mansions and if it were not so I would have told you I go to prepare a place for you and if I go to prepare a place for you I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am that where I am, there you may be also. That's not my promise. That's not by anybody else's promise. That's a promise in the Word of God. He said, where I am, ye may be also. I want to preach to somebody today, perhaps the greatest promise that I could talk to you about and encourage you in here this morning is that when this life is over, that's not the end. But we can spend an eternity with Jesus Christ and what you feel in just a little bit of what you're experiencing here today the Bible said when we get to glory when we step on celestial shores you talk about dancing you talk about shouting you talk about rejoicing you talk about worshiping you talk about praising God <laughs> hallelujah you just think we get excited here amen Lest, lest you think this is a little out of form. Lest you think this is a little wild. Oh, I remind you that yesterday kicked off college football. Some people lose their mind when college football starts up. Amen. I, I don't know it sick them from come here when it comes to college football. Amen. 
And so the Bible did say something about not touching a, a dead animal. And, and I'm just joking. Don't, don't take that as a doctrine. And it even specified something about a pig in there somewhere. I'm just joking. But I do think, I do think if people can get excited about that, how much more should we get excited? I know we use that analogy a lot. and I, I understand all that, but it's still fact. I'm going to tell you, the biggest churches in this world are not cathedrals built to Jesus Christ, but the biggest, the biggest cathedrals in this world are ball stadiums. Hold, what is that over there in Dallas holds like 90,000 or 100,000 people? I'm looking forward to the day that we could step into places like that and have a congregation filled with people that are worshiping God and praising the Lord. And when the altar invitation is given, we could see people come to an altar and receive the Spirit of God for the first time by the droves. I'm telling you, God is able to do that. What are you trying to say? I'm trying to tell you that we do get excited. We do get thrilled. We do leap for joy. We do shout a little bit. We do we do show enthusiasm. But I couldn't think of anybody that I would rather show more enthusiasm for than Jesus Christ. Because He wins all the time. His record is perfect. He's always an answer to my prayer. Oh, clap your hands and give praise to Him right now. Amen. Amen. The promise of the rapture, the promise of his return. And if you're here this morning and you need the baptism of the Holy Ghost, the Bible said in Acts chapter 2 and verse 39, this promise is unto you and to your children and all that are far off. Somebody say, that's me. Somebody say, you just don't know how far off I've been. Amen. In sin, in decadence, in immorality, in bondage. I'm going to tell you, it doesn't matter how far off you were. Amen. You can come nigh unto him today by the power of the blood of Jesus, by the Spirit of our God. You can have a relationship with Jesus Christ. This promise is unto you and to your children and all that are far off. You say, Pastor... I pursued other things in life, and I've given myself to other things. And frankly, it did not turn out the way that I wanted it to or that I thought that it seemed so promising and so much potential in it that I thought it was going to turn out that way. And it didn't. It let me down. But I want to remind you, our God will never fail you. He will never lie to you. The devil doesn't want you to know that God keeps his promises. The second thing the devil doesn't want you to know is that is what the Apostle Peter wrote here next. He said that he is long-suffering to usward. Long-suffering to usward. Do you know what that means? That means that God is patient with us. I'm thankful that he's patient. I don't know if you appreciate the patience that God has had with you. We used to sing an old song. In Pentecost many, many years ago, he was there all the time. He was there all the time, waiting patiently 
in London, while you were still partying, while you were still drinking alcohol, while you were still smoking dope, while you were still snorting cocaine, while you were still pursuing the things of the world, he was saying, if you'd only give me a chance, if you would only give me an opportunity, I will fulfill, I will satisfy, I will give completeness to. And when you come to an altar, he says, uh, that's what I've been waiting for. I've been waiting for you to ask for forgiveness. I've been waiting for you to surrender. I've been waiting for you to stop running away from me and start running towards me. He is long-suffering. You ever notice people, I was having a discussion with someone the other day, people that are in the world, people that are in sin, it seems like they never stay with anything very long. They're always, always trying, and they, and they go with this for a little while, and they drop that. And uh, they got this hobby for a little while, and they drop that. And, and they got this interest for a little while, and they drop that. But I'm going to tell you, it's been almost uh, 40 years ago now that I was filled with the Holy Ghost. About 39 years ago, I was filled with the Holy Ghost on a sun, uh, Sunday afternoon during the summer. And God filled me with His Spirit. And here I am 39 years later, and my interest is more in God than it's ever been. My desire is more for God than it's ever been. My hunger is more for God. I find more pleasure in praising God. I got a lot more to praise Him about. I got a lot more to be thankful for. I got a lot more to lift my hands about. I got a lot more to come to church and to pray and thank God for. I'm telling you, He's been so very faithful to me. He's been so good to me. He's long-suffering to us. The devil doesn't want you to know that. He wants you to think it's over. He wants you to think that it cannot happen for you today, that God has given up on you. The third thing is the writer said he is not willing that any should perish. I read recently that 38% of Americans will be diagnosed with cancer at some point in their lifetime. Five million people each year perish from a stroke in America, and five million more will be left impaired because of strokes. Almost 10% of America's America's population suffers from diabetes. It is the seventh leading cause of death in America. None of these statistics are very encouraging. The odds are high that you will be, and there's many more that I could mention affected in some, ba- some way by one or more of these maladies. However, the Bible says he is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. I'm going to tell you the odds are good that you could come to this altar this morning and you could experience the power of the Holy Ghost. You could come to this altar this morning and experience a life change. It doesn't matter how deep in sin you are. It doesn't matter the odds that are against you. It doesn't matter that, that, you, that you feel uh, so distant from God at this particular point. Before this service is over, you can experience the power of the Holy Ghost. Can I just tell you that hell was not created for humanity? The place called hell was created for the devil and the demons that fell with him, the Scripture tells us. Uh, it isn't the will 
will of God that one man, one woman, one boy, one girl it would ever go to hell. And do you do you understand this morning that doesn't matter what the past is. It doesn't matter what guilt and shame that you're dealing with here this morning. God's not willing that one person be lost. And He's willing to go to great lengths to save every individual that is in this house. No man cometh to God unless the Spirit draws him. And the reason why you're here is not coincidence. But you're here because the Spirit of the Lord saw fit to bring you here this morning. The Spirit of the Lord begin to deal with you to get up and come to the house of God today. And you're in this house because God is not willing that any should perish but that all should come to repentance. God works the events out of our lives to reach us. God causes and manipulates certain situations and sometimes it's in mysterious ways, but as we like to say, it's his wonders to perform. And when you look at your life now in comparison to where you were before God found you, I think everybody that's saved in this house would have to recognize that God used some unusual methods to save me. But I'm so thankful that he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Why don't you lift up your hands once again and let's praise him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord. But there's one, one more thing that the devil really doesn't want you to know. And I suppose that this is the biggest thing that he resists and he wants to keep a secret. The Apostle Peter said he's not slack concerning his promise. He's long-suffering to us. He's not willing that any should perish. And then in the latter portion of that verse, in verse 9, he says, but that all should come to repentance. But that all should come to repentance. The devil doesn't want you to know that you can be forgiven. He doesn't want you to know or to think that there's any hope. He doesn't want you to feel like that you can make any kind of a change. He wants you to feel as though your mistakes are final and that's the end and there's no way to change it. He doesn't want you to see a way out. He doesn't want you to learn about this one most powerful word and that is repentance. That's when I turn my heart towards God. When I open up myself to the Lord and say, God, I'm incapable on my own. I can't save myself. I can't figure all of this out by myself. I can't change things in my life by myself. It doesn't matter how strong-willed of an individual you are. It doesn't matter how, how much training or education that you have. I'm going to tell you, you cannot change yourself. When sin gets a grip on you, the only thing that will change you is the blood of Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Ghost. And the Holy Ghost is available to us today. And it starts in 
amen, when we repent. The devil wants us to think the way life is right now, the situations and the way that things are right now, that's just the way it's always going to be. Matter of fact, the world sometimes promotes this. Once an alcoholic, always an alcoholic. Once a drug addict, always a drug addict. They, they told my cousin, the drugs that you're on, the only way out of this is in a pine box. That's the end. Once you get addicted to this, there's no way out. But he is free from all of that today. Why? Not because of the power and might of his own strength, but because of the power of an almighty God that is able to change circumstances in people's lives. Oh, it's not once a smoker, always a smoker. Once a partier, always a partier. Once reckless in sin, always. No, that's not how it is. Once a sinner, no, that's not how it is. That's negating the blood of Jesus Christ and the power of God's Spirit to change a life. I believe that He's able to transform you. He's able to make all things new. He's able to create in you a clean heart. He's able right here this morning to do a work in you. Replace that heart of stone and put within you a heart of flesh and write upon you in your heart the laws of God that you wouldn't want to transgress because it's in your heart. You wouldn't want to sin because it's in your heart. You wouldn't want to displease God because it's in your heart that you would forever be able to worship Him in freedom, in peace, in the knowledge of knowing I'm here because of the grace of Almighty God. If you feel that way, stand to your feet with me right now and let's lift up our hands to the Lord. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Woo! I feel the Holy Ghost here this morning. I feel the Spirit of God moving in this house this morning. Are you here this morning and you wonder, is there anything more to life than this? There's got to be something more. This can't be all. This can't be everything. There's got to be something better. There's got to be something more. The devil wants you to think that that's the end of the road right where you're at. Don't pursue anymore. Don't pray for anymore. Don't desire anymore. Just be content with an unfulfilled, incomplete, unsatisfied life. Just be content with living without joy. Just be content living without any peace. Be content with struggling with insomnia to go to sleep at night because of the worry and the dread and the fears that plague your mind. Learn how to cope and medicate yourself because of the anxiety that attacks you. It'll never get any better. Can I just tell you that that's a lie? There's a God that is in this house that is able to do a work in people's lives and change things in the hearts of people, move in the souls of individuals gathered here this morning. Come on, I believe the power of God is able to revolutionize your life. I believe the power of God is able to change the entire landscape of your life. Amen. One more time, let's lift up our voices unto the Lord and really pray. Let's really pray. Hallelujah. 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 Oh, God, I need you, Jesus. I need you, Jesus.
I don't know why I keep coming back to this, but I feel this so strong. Somebody feels like, well, it's just too far, and I've gone too far. It's progressed to the point that there's no turning back. No recourse. This is it. I've got it accepted. I've got to deal with it. This is all I can expect. This is as far as it goes. Well, I was preaching one time in southeast Texas. This is a young 20-something evangelist. And there was a lady that I noticed came to the altar and she was sobbing, but you could tell that her sobs were because of, in her mind, she felt as though she could not change and God would not forgive. As I began to learn her story, I found that in self-defense, she had taken a person's life. And the guilt, the shame that rests with all of that and the condemnation was on her so strong. And you could see it was just like a heavy shroud over her. And I remember her looking up to me and she says, Preacher, do you really think God can forgive me? Do you really think God can change me and take this shame away? Take this heaviness away? And as she was there in that altar with tears bathing her cheeks, hands lifted, desperate cry, I said, yes, ma'am, I do believe that God can forgive and cleanse and wash and purify. I do believe that God can take any guilt or shame away. And I don't know the entirety of your circumstance, but I know one thing. You don't have to live with that burden anymore. You don't have to live underneath that heaviness anymore. You don't have to live under that guilt anymore. It's not gone too far, ma'am. It's not, it's not progressed to the point that there's no help. It's not, it's not that you're beyond being saved or you're beyond being helped. But I'm telling you, God is able to help you. God is able to work in your life. I feel like telling somebody that very same thing today. I do believe that God is able to forgive. I do believe that His blood washes thoroughly. I, I can't stand and testify here this morning that God is able to draw and able to save and able to deliver and able to set people free. We see it in this congregation. People all across this building, oh, we dress up good and we got we got our Sunday's best on, but it hasn't always been like this. I tell you, there was a day we were all wretched sinners. There was a day we were all, every one of us bound. There was a day that every one of us in this house, amen, the clutches of sin had a hold on our lives, but we're here today because of the cleansing blood of Jesus Christ and I tell you what he's done for others he's no respect of persons he can do it for you I said he can do it for you young or old amen he can do it for you it doesn't matter where you come from he can do it for you it doesn't matter what you think amen about the past what your view of the past is he's able to change it all today amen you you can leave it all behind here this morning. It may be a heavy burden, but God is into lifting burdens. He said, cast your cares upon me because I care for you. So I want to give an invitation here this morning. I want to ask you, if you want the Holy Ghost, 
If you want the Spirit of the Lord dwelling on the inside, if you want peace that passeth all understanding and joy that is unspeakable and full of glory, who wouldn't want that? A lot of times we talk about the essentiality, but I argue why would we worry about the essentiality when you have such a blessing before you? I do believe it's essential that you receive the Holy Ghost in order to make the rapture of the church because it's that spirit that's going to quicken your mortal body, the Bible says. And through that, you're going to be able to meet him in the air. But can I tell you that beyond just that, why does people fuss with something that is so awesome, that is so great, that is the greatest experience that any person could receive is the gift of the Holy Ghost. I think it's an honor to, to just be able to experience this wonderful promise of his spirit it's such an honor to be able to stand in the presence of God and to feel him in such an experiential way and to know that God is able to, to, to change everything in my life and turn my life around in just one experience in one moment God can change everything you can rewrite the future it may have looked like it was going to end a certain way it may have looked like you were doomed and couldn't get out but I'm telling you today God is able the Bible says this behold today is the day of salvation now is the appointed time in other words this is a God moment right now and it's one that we have to take advantage of God visits us and God moves upon us that's when we need to respond I wonder if you want the Holy Ghost this morning if you wouldn't step out from where you are and make your way to this front if it's been a long time since you got a breakthrough and you've been renewed in the Holy Ghost, I'd like for you to step out and make your way to this front. Amen. Don't be ashamed. Don't be bashful. Every one of us that are here, we all need breakthrough from time to time. Amen. We all need spiritual renewal from time to time. If you're here this morning, amen, and, and maybe, maybe as far as I know, you, you got renewed yesterday, but you just feel like, God, I need you to touch me again today. I, 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 I just got some situations that I need you to help me with. I want you to come to this altar. Hallelujah. God is able to help some folks here this morning. God is able to change some circumstances for people here this morning. Hallelujah. I praise your name. I believe in God and I'm trusting in you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's lift up our hands to it right now. God, I repent of my sin. God, I repent of my sin. God, I repent of my sin. I'm asking you to cleanse me. Come on, there's people here that are in need of the Holy Ghost. Don't be a spectator here this morning. There's people in need of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Let's pray with them. Let's pray with them. Come and help them. Pray. Come and help them. Reach out to the Lord. Oh, we need every hand on deck to help us. We need every hand on deck to pray with us. Hallelujah. Come on, find somebody to pray with. Find somebody.